Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me in your New Testaments to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 is where we'll be this morning. Philippians chapter 4. The book of Philippians is, a, is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It is a book of joy and rejoicing. Uh, I guess one of the reasons why I, I get such a blessing out of it is because, yes, it is a book of joy. Yes, it is a book of rejoicing. But I also know where the, where the man was that penned those words of joy and rejoicing. He was in a, he was in a jail. And uh, uh, he was not in... He was not in uh, good circumstances or good situations, yet he still had that joy down deep. Regardless of what was going on around him, regardless of what he was, what he was literally uh, involved in and sitting in, the, the jail that he was in, he, he had rejoicing and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, I want us to read verses uh, 6 through 9 of Philippians 4. Let's stand together, if you would. If your neighbor does not have a Bible, please look on with them so we can all look on God's word together as I read aloud. You read silently in beginning in verse, verse 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm so thankful that those of us that have trusted Jesus Christ have peace when it comes to our soul and have peace when it comes to knowing for sure that if we die today that we go to heaven. What a blessing that, that peace is. But there's also a peace that, that uh, passes all understanding on a day-by-day -day basis that we can have where we're not full of fret, we're not full of worry, regardless of what's going on in our life, just like what, regardless of what was going on in the life of the Apostle Paul, he could have rejoicing and he could be calm in heart and be peaceful because he knew that his Lord was in control. Father, we pray that you would, you would bless this time together. Help us, help us, Lord, to be encouraged this morning. I pray that, that you'd help us to see the importance of some things that will bring forth, uh, that need to be in our life, that will bring forth a, a peaceful and a spirit that is void of worry. And we ask God your blessings upon this time together in your word. Please speak to our hearts this morning, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What's the, what's the single greatest thief? of uh, personal happiness, peace, and joy. I believe what it is, it's the thief of worry. And he begins this passage by saying in verse, verse 6, be careful for nothing. Now, he, what he does not mean by that is he's not saying don't be cautious. That's not what he's saying at all. Careful, he's using that word in, in the respect of being full of care. It's just another, another name and another word for worry. 
the, the old English root of the word worry, uh, from which we, we get, we get our, our word worry, means to strangle or it means to choke. And if you think about it, worry does just exactly that. It strangles us. It chokes us. It, uh, it chokes the life out of us. It chokes the joy out of us. And it, it, it can cause not just emotional problems, but it can cause all kinds of other problems. Um, when, when a person is, is excessive in their worry, it can cause headaches and stomach trouble. Uh, it can cause stiff necks and, and back pains and ulcers, all kinds of things. It can really mess up a person and cause them not to be able to think clearly and make decisions and have proper discernment. Uh, biblically, in the Bible, worry is wrong. And it's, it's wrong thinking and it's, it's uh, 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 wrong feeling about, about people, about circumstances, and about things. Uh, people conflicts. Look in verses 1 and 2. And all these things are, are really included in this, in this book. Uh, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, my, my brethren dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now that's all he says and he just goes on. He doesn't go into detail. But obviously there was a problem between these two, okay? And they were doing some head knocking. And, uh, and he, he told them, he said, listen, I want you to be of, in the same mind, uh, of the same mind in the Lord. You drop down to verses uh, 10 and 12 and it says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye have also, uh, ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. In other words, there was a time when they were able to give, there was a time when they were not able to give and help him. And he hurt because of that. But he did not get worried about the situation because he knew God was in control. Down in verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. So what he's saying there is, he says, listen, regardless of what the circumstances are, you don't have to be full of worry. You don't have to be full of worry because of people conflicts. You don't have to be full of worry because of things. You don't have to be, you don't have to worry just because of the circumstances. Verse 11, not that I speak in, in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So no matter what is going on in our life, there's, there's, there's never an excuse for worry. Now the, the opposite of worry is peace. And it's available to every person who is a child of God, every person who has trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, let me just say this to you. If you happen to be here this morning or watching on, online this morning, and you are not absolutely 100% totally convinced and know for sure positively that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. You cannot look back to a time when you trusted Jesus Christ in him alone as your personal savior. Then I will say this to you. You do have something to worry about. You need to have something you need to, you have something you need to be concerned about. And the thing you need to be concerned about is getting your sins forgiven. Now, when I say that, uh, I I'm I don't say that in worry and in upsetness because I know what the solution is and the solution is 
to, to simply realize you're a sinner on your way to hell, turn from your sin, believe on Jesus Christ, and him alone, what he has done for you on the cross. He died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And you just simply trust Jesus Christ as Savior, and that worry goes out the window. You don't ever have to worry about that again because you believe on Christ. You trust him as Savior. You ask him to be your Savior, forgive you of all your sins, and you'll, you'll have that assurance and that knowledge of eternal life. But for a child of God, someone who is, is saved, uh, there's, there's really no excuse for worry. And, and uh, uh, God wants to give us peace. Now, there's two kinds of peace that you find in the scriptures. The first one is found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what he's talking about there, he's talking about someone who's been saved, who's trusted Christ as Savior. And he says, because of your salvation, you have peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, it goes on, talks about the fact that before salvation, there's enmity between us and God. And uh, we, are, we are not God's friend at that point. But when we trust Christ as Savior, that enmity is removed. And we have peace with God when we believe on him for our salvation. So that's, that's salvation peace. Then there's a living peace. And Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 uh, talks of that. It says, in the peace of God. This isn't the peace with God. This is the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you have that peace of God and it floods your soul, then it, it crowds out those worries because you know God is in control. And you know that, that God is, is taking care of you. Uh, there, there are three things, however, that, that this passage of Scripture says that need to be in our lives in order to, to, to have victory over worry in our lives. And, you know, I'm, there, there isn't a one of us that hasn't had a problem with worry. We, we all have had a problem with it. And, you know, every time I have found myself fretting over something or worrisome over something, uh, I, go back, I go back to this passage, and it's because I've failed in one or more of the three absolutely essential areas that are necessary for us to keep intact and keep active in our lives in order for us to have, have a, a life that wins uh, over worry. And the first of those three things, found in verses 6 and 7, look with me back in, in Philippians 4, 6. It says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The first, the first thing is prayer. And, and, and uh, there's, there's three words that are given to describe prayer. The first one is prayer itself. And that, that is just a, talking about a, a general prayer. One thing that prayer ought to always do is it always ought to bring adoration and glory and honor to our Savior. Um, I, have, I have heard, uh, in fact, just recently, I think we had somebody in our pulpit that said this. Uh, if you're not asking God for something, there's a whole, there's, there have been books that have been written about this subject. If you're not asking God for something, you're not praying. 
May I say very respectfully and very humbly that uh, that's not biblical. Okay? You can pray and not ask God for anything. But just simply praise him. Just simply adore him. Just simply thank him. And the reason I know that is because over in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and you can read this later on if you'd like, but Hannah, the Bible says, the commentary by God himself, who gave it by inspiration, said that Hannah prayed. Find me one thing that she asked God for in that entire prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2. She didn't ask God for anything. She, she just was praising the Lord. Now, she, she uh, uh, had, had been given a son, and she was excited about that fact that God gave her Samuel. But what she was doing there was she was just adoring God. She was thanking God. She was being, she was being uh, 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 praising. She was praising the Lord because he was worthy of her praise. Um, in Philippians chapter 4, in up, up a little bit in verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Uh, it says rejoice in the Lord. That means you rejoice in God. Not just what he's done for you, not just what he's given to you. And I say this because I find myself falling into this, okay? I, I fall into that trap. We, we, we get all excited about what God did for us, what God did to us, what God did through us. How about just getting excited about who God is? <laughs> just getting excited about the fact that we, we serve a wonderful God. There was a, a song, I heard this years ago. Uh, Lester Roloff was an old-time preacher from down in Texas. And uh, uh, the very first time, in fact, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone else sing this song before, and I'm going to spare you. I'm not going to sing it this morning. I, I did go online and find uh, the tune for it, and I found the tune was a little bit different than the way Brother Roloff sang it, but that doesn't surprise me. And uh, it was written, and I did not know this until I looked it up this week. It was written by A.B. Simpson, who was, a, who was a preacher of the gospel, and, uh, and he wrote this song, and I love this song. I'll read you the verses, and then we'll just jump down to the chorus. The, the song is called Himself, and it says, Once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it is his word. Once his gift I wanted, now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. Once was painful trying, now tis perfect trust. Once a half salvation, now the uttermost. Once was ceaseless holding, now he holds me fast. Once twas constant drifting, now my anchor's cast. Once twas busy planning, now tis trustful prayer. Once twas uh, anxious caring, now he has the care. Once twas what I wanted, now what Jesus says. Once twas constant asking, now tis ceaseless praise. Once it was my working, now it hence shall be. Once I tried to use him, now he uses me. Once the power I wanted, now the mighty one, once for self, I labored now for him alone. Once I hoped in Jesus, now I know 
he's mine. Once my lamps were dying, now they brightly shine. Once for death I waited, now his coming hail, and my hopes are anchored safe within the veil. All in all forever, Jesus will I sing. Everything in Jesus, and Jesus everything. You know what that is? That's, that's a, a song that was written by a man who didn't rejoice in what God had done for him, although I'm sure he did, but he didn't merely do that. He rejoiced in the God who was a blessing to him. And when you do that, that does something to worry. And the, the, the thing that it does to, to worry is it reminds you as you're praying and telling God how great he is and how thankful you are for him, what it does is it makes you realize, wait a minute, I've got a God who cares for me. Wait a minute, I've got a God who, who is in control. Wait a minute, I've got a God who isn't, isn't haphazard with my life. I've got a God who's personally involved in, in my life and personally cares for me. And uh, we recognize him for who he is. That's prayer. And then then the, the next thing it talks about is supplication talks about supplication. That's just simply making requests to God. That's taking needs to him, taking problems, taking concerns, taking others to him. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Um, you have to believe that. You have to believe it. If you don't believe that he cares for you, if you believe that, uh, if, you know, that, that maybe you've slipped his mind, then you're not going to cast all your care upon him. But, but I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that you can cast all your care, you can cast all your requests, you can cast all your, all your supplications upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. He knows what you're going through. And he cares for you. Um, keep your finger here. Go with me over to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. I wasn't going to refer to this this morning, but the Lord wants me to. Hebrews chapter 4. I love these two verses of Scripture. It says in verse, uh, well, go with me up to verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, and speaking of Jesus Christ, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our, our profession. What that means is you can come to God in confidence. What that means is you don't have to be wavering at all. You can hold that thing fast. Why? Verse 15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. Now, that doesn't mean you come disrespectfully, but that means you have nothing to be concerned about. You can come to him. You can, there's nothing you can't take to your God. There's no concern. There's no need. There's, no, there's, no, there's absolutely nothing that you can't take to God. We can come to him boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And uh, that's, that's what supplication is. That's just simply 
throwing our cares at the Lord Jesus Christ and opening our hearts and letting him know what we need and what others need. And then the, the last thing in that passage, it talks about thanksgiving. And that's just simply appreciation. Uh, we go to God and thank him. Sometimes we, we, we spend day after day and week after week asking God to do something for us. And then when he does it, one time we say thank you and then that's it. Uh, you know what we need to do? We need to go back and look over our shoulder and see all the wonderful things that God has done for us and, and what he has been personally to us. And oftentimes, one of the reasons why worry creeps in is we forget what he's already done. He has answered our prayer over and over and over and over again. He's taking care of situations over and over and over and over again. And the longer you live in the Christian life and the longer you, the more you see God answers prayer, you build up like a little treasure chest of, uh, of hope and expectation because he's done it for you in the past. And by thanking him, you're reminded of those things and that helps to, to dispel worry. Um, sometimes, you know, when we worry oftentimes, I don't know if you do this, I do this, I go on a pity party. You know, I start feeling sorry for myself. And the reason why I do that is because I've forgotten what he's already done. I've forgotten the blessings that he's already been to me. And when you spend some time in Thanksgiving, what happens is God gives you confidence. He did it in the past. He can, he can do it again. He can do it in the future. Down in, in verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And that's not just, that's not just the big things, that's the little things too, the things that, that give you concern and the things that, that do cause you to, to, to be worried over. Um, in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, and we'll not turn there, but Daniel was, was, uh, was told um, not to, uh, he could not pray, he could not bring any petitions to any god uh, unless he first went through the king. Well, Daniel knew that that was not true. He did not believe that. Um, he believed that uh, he could go right to God in prayer. And so he did so. And in, in, the, in the passage in uh, Daniel 6, verses 6 through 11, it mentions three things. It mentions the three things we just talked about. It mentions prayer, and it mentions thanksgiving, and it mentions supplication. When he did that, he opened his windows. Now, he knew it was against the law, but he opened his windows. Why? Because he wasn't ashamed. And you know what else he wasn't? He wasn't worried. Now, he ended up in the lion's den. And you can, you can tell that 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 peace just carried him all the way through. God protected him that night, and then his accusers the next day were thrown into the lion's den. And by then, they were pretty hungry, so they just devoured him and ate him all up. But, uh, but my point is, is that, that uh, uh, because of the thanksgiving and because of the supplication and because of the prayers and adoration that, that, that Daniel had given to God previously, he went into that lion's den with confidence. He didn't go in with worry. He went in with peace because he knew he had a God that could and would take care of him. 
And the second thing is not only, not only prayer, but our thinking needs to be proper and our thinking needs to be right. Look down at verse 8 of Philippians 4. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. If you have, if you have wrong thinking, what that will develop into eventually is wrong feelings. You have right thinking, uh, that will develop into right feelings. Now, I realize we don't depend upon our feelings, but our feelings are a product of where our heart is and where our thoughts are. And according to this passage, there's eight things that God says that we, we need to be thinking on. First of all, we need to think on things that are true. Um, much of what we worry about, quite frankly, and I'll say this about me, and I'm quite sure it's true about you as well. Much of what we worry about never happens. Am I right? It never happens. We sit there, we stew about it, we bite our nails over it, we, we knock our knees about it, but then it never comes to pass. Uh, why? Because oftentimes we're thinking about things that are not true. Um, we... we we hear something that somebody said about such and such and so and so, or about a particular situation. I don't, I don't think there's been, ever been a time of more hearsay and false information than we've had over the last year, year and a half. I mean, it's, with, with the COVID, it's just been a mess. And uh, uh, what I found is you have right thinking, you can, be, you can, you can have a whole lot more peace in your heart and a whole lot less worry because you're thinking on things that are true. Then the, the next two things are those things that are honest and those things that are just. Uh, think about the things that not only are true, but that are just and are right and are honest. And then uh, he talks about thinking on things that are pure and things that are lovely and things that are of good report. Well, pure just means clean means pure, means holy. Um, don't think on questionable things. Don't think on things that you think would displease the Lord. Um, think on things that are lovely. Lovely means beautiful, means attractive, things that are pleasant. And then last of all, things that are of good report. This is where a lot of us fail, right here. Good report. I don't need to know all the junk and all the garbage and all the negative things about other people. I've had, I've had folks come up to me because I'm pastor. And they've, 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 said, they've said, well, pastor, because you're pastor, I, I really think you need to know something about so-and-so. Now, there are times when I may need to because there are times when a person's personal life and our ministry here intersect. And where that happens, yes, I need to know some things. But if that intersection is not taking place, I don't need to know it. I really don't, and you don't either. Um, somebody comes up to you with a, a, you know, with a big juicy piece of God. Did you hear about so and so? You know, it'd be a wise thing to say. And no, do I need to hear about it? And just look at him and smile. Just say, no, I haven't heard. Do I need to? You don't have to be nasty about it. 
You can be nice about it. And nice about it and just really hit them with a brick wall by saying that, that, that answer. But, but basically what you're saying is, listen, if I don't need to hear it, then please don't repeat it to me. You know, uh, uh, the reason why oftentimes we think about things that are not of good report is because we allow them in our ears. Now, I, can't, I can't necessarily totally stop uh, things accidentally from hitting, hitting my ears, but when I know somebody is heading down that road, I can stop them. And there have been times when I've done it, and there have been times when I haven't. I have, I have uh, uh, allowed evil reports of people and of circumstances and of things to affect my opinion of something before I ever experienced it, affect my opinion of someone before I have ever even met them, and when, I, when I'm going into that experience or I'm going into that, that meaning of that individual, I'm full of anxiety. You know why? Because I've listened to a bunch of junk. That's why. And if I had not heard that junk and if I had not gotten evil reports, I wouldn't be walking into it with that. With that. The way you think really has a, a, a big effect uh, on whether or not you have a problem with worry. And uh, then the, the, the last thing is the, those things which are virtuous and praiseworthy. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, one of the things that always fits every one of those criteria is the Bible that you hold in your hand. Always fits that criteria. You can, you, if you're having problems with your thought life, go to the Word of God. And fill your mind with some of the things that are found in Scripture and, and straighten your thoughts out. But thinking right is important. Praying right's important. Thinking right's important. And then last of all, living right is important. Look at, down at verse 9. These things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Um, if, if you have the right prayer life and you have the right thought life, chances are your actions are going to be proper as well. And, and when, it comes to, when it comes to living right, it involves four activities. According to this verse, it involves learning, receiving, hearing, and seeing. When, when you learn something, you get it from the outside and it comes in. When you receive it, that means you've taken it, you've processed it on the inside. It becomes yours. And then heard and seen in others. That's why it's so important to be careful about who you're around. Be careful who you keep company with. Uh, it will make a difference in your life and will particularly make a difference in, in the area of worry. Um, it's got to, you know, this, it, the, the whole process has to become personal. Um, you know, I'm glad you're here in church. And I'm, I'm, many of you came to Sunday school. Some of you taught Sunday school this morning. We've got some folks over there in junior church right now. They'll, we'll be coming back tonight. We'll get some more from God's word tonight. But the question is, what do we do with those things that we have received? According to the scripture, it says those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. 
And then it says, if you do those things, then the God of peace shall be with you. Um, take, take your Bibles with me over to the book of James for just a moment. Book of James. James chapter 4. And in James chapter 4, the Lord is addressing some people that are at odds with one another. There's conflict, there's problems, there's difficulties. And you see that in verse 1. It says, from whence come wars and fightings among you. And this is talking about individuals, okay? And he's, he's talking to these individuals. These are folks that have gone through some problems. They've gone through some tribulation. If you go back to, to uh, chapter 1, they've gone through some difficulties and, and had some trials in their lives. And yet they've responded wrongly, obviously, because it says, from whence come wars and fightings among you. Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members. And what we've just seen over in Philippians chapter 4 is, is if you have right prayer and if you have right thinking and if you have right living, what you're going to have as a result and as a byproduct is peace. Right prayer, right thinking, and right living always will e equal peace. The peace of God which passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But notice here that these folks aren't at peace. They're warring and they're fighting with one another. Why? Look down at verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye might consume it upon your lust. What is that? It's wrong prayer. They're not praying properly. Look down in verse 8. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What was going on? They were putting the wrong things in their head. They were thinking on the wrong stuff. And then you get, go back up to verse 4, and it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Now, again, this, is, this isn't talking about, this isn't lost folks, according to the first chapter of James. This is talking about saved people. These are God's people. And they've gone down the wrong roads in some areas in their lives. And some of the things that they have been doing are wrong things. And he says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? God never blesses any of those things. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Uh, even as a, as a saved person, you can be on the wrong side of God. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of God. Now, I'm not talking at all about losing your salvation. I'm just talking about the fellowship that we can have with God and the relationship that we can have with God can be hurt and can be broken. And the reason why these folks were having wars and fightings among themselves was because there was wrong prayer, there was wrong thoughts, and there was wrong living. Um, you know, you, 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 think about, you think about this, even, even the peace with God that we got at salvation, we got with those three things. We got it with right thoughts. You had to have right thoughts about salvation. You got to realize that you're a sinner on your way to hell. That the only way you can go to heaven is by trusting Christ. That it's not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. If you think you have anything to do with it, 
then that's false. It's a wrong thought. And you can't have uh, that peace with God. And then uh, right prayer. Just simply crying out to God and asking him to save you. And, that, and not believing that it's... You know, I, I preached a, a couple of funerals this last week. Preached a, a Mrs. Raper's funeral. And I preached a funeral of some folks that have never even darkened the door of this church. But, uh, but he grew up, the, the man who passed away grew up in a, in a Baptist church and uh, down in North Carolina and wanted a Baptist preacher to do his funeral, so I did. And uh, I was asked and I was able to do that. And I let them know, I says, you know, when I was preaching the funeral that day, given the plan of salvation, that it's, it's not just a, uh, it's not a magic prayer with magic words. You've got to believe in your heart. And you've got to, to, uh, to cry out to God for mercy and then right action, which is just simply believing and receiving and trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's, that's what we had to do to get saved, and we get the peace with God when we do that. As saved people, in order to get the peace of God on a day-by-day -day basis, we've got to have right prayer. We've got to have right thoughts. And we've got to have right lives. If something is, is amiss in your actions, if, something is, if there's some sin in your life as a Christian, you're not going to have the peace, the peace which passes all understanding. That will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're not spending time in prayer and casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, your worry is going to creep in. You know, every time that I have, have had a struggle with worry, I've been able to look back at that chapter and look at those three th things, and something is always missing. You know what God wants? God wants that you to have peace. He wants you to, He doesn't want you to be worried. He don't, doesn't want you to be anxious for anything. He doesn't want you to be full of care. He wants you to have the peace that only Jesus Christ can give. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Before we pray this morning, I want to ask a question. Do you have that peace with God? And what I'm speaking about is, I'm speaking about the salvation that comes full and free through Jesus Christ. Can you look back to a time in your life when you realized you were a sinner on your way to hell, you repented and you believed on Jesus Christ, and you trusted him and him alone as your savior. The, Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's what happens when a person trusts Christ as savior and gets saved. They believe those things, they cry out to God and he saves their soul and forgives them of all their sin and gives them eternal life. If you've done that, if you know based upon God's word that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. I wonder if you'd just raise your hand as a testimony of that fact. With heads bowed and eyes closed, say, Pastor, here's my hand. I know I'm saved because I've trusted Christ and him alone as my personal Savior. All right, thank you. You can put your hands down. How many of you would be just as honest? And again, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm the only one who's looking. But you would raise your hand and just say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I, I don't have that thing settled. Thank you. I see that hand. All right, appreciate your honesty. Anybody else, just, just by an uplifted hand, say, Pastor, I'm concerned about it. I don't know that for sure. Honestly, that's the biggest worry you have or ever will have. 
And that needs to get settled because it is of utmost importance. All right, then let me address those of you that are saved this morning. If you're saved, maybe you've had some struggles with worry. And something that was said the, the, this morning in the, in the, the, the message has uh, plucked your heartstrings a little bit. Maybe there's uh, an issue with prayer. Maybe there's an issue with thoughts. Maybe there's some sin that needs to be repented of and turned from because it's causing nothing but havoc in your life. And uh, you just by an uplifted hand just say, Preacher, uh, pray, pray for me that I do that which is right and pleasing and honoring to God. All right, many hands. Thank you. All right, you put them down. Father, we come to you on behalf of these people this morning, particularly that raised their hands. First of all, the one that raised their hand and said that they were not saved. And uh, Lord, I, I so appreciate honesty. Before I got saved, I had to, I had to admit that I had a need. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd work on that person's heart and that even today, that today would be the day of their salvation, that as we give the invitation, they'd walk toward the pulpit and just say, Preacher, I, I'd like to get saved. What a blessing it would be to be able to have someone take the word of God and sh show that individual how they can have eternal life. Lord, there are many other hands that went up this morning and you've spoken to hearts about some things. Now God, uh, you're the God of all grace and you're the God of all mercy and you're the God of all forgiveness. You know, I look back at the, this last, well, I don't know, a year and a half or so, and there's been a lot that if we, if we wanted to find something to worry about, we didn't have to look too far. But uh, Lord, uh, also know you're the God of peace, and your desire is to give us that peace of God which passes all understanding. I pray for those folks that raise your hand. I pray that you give them strength and wisdom and discernment and give them the grace to make the decision. There may be some, some tough decisions that need to be made in those areas. And Lord, I know that not only are you the God of all grace, but you're the God of all strength and you're the God of all power and you can help them with those things. So I pray that you would. God, just minister to folks this morning as we give the invitation. May folks avail themselves of an old time altar do business with you. We pray, Father, that you'd be honored and glorified in all things. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all